0: What are you eating?
1: I just had a meat stick and a cheese stick.
0: My snacks can only be phallic. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like baby bells? <sighs> or is it shaped like a dick? Then no. <laughs> Why don't we get started? All right. Welcome to SVU Pod Especially Heinous. I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. We are on season three, episode twelve, protection. Season three, episode twelve, protection. Protection.
1: It's a dark alley, and this woman is carrying a child down the street towards a hospital. Her other son is with her, and he's like, Mom, let's go. What? She tells him to go into the hospital and get someone. So he runs in. The security guard's like, oh, why why are you going so fast? And he tells the guard that his brother's been shot, and his mom just then walks through the door with the child. The guard grabs the, the kid and throws him on a gurney. A nurse notices that there's no exit wound and rushes him straight to ER. Obviously, the mom is, like, freaking out because they won't let her come in with her son. And the nurse is, like, trying to calm her down and examine her because she's got blood on her, too. The security guard starts calling NYPD, but the mom begs him not to call the police. And he's like, I have to. Like, your fucking kid was shot.
0: Yeah. He looks at her like, ma'am. Yeah. But she's also in a state of. Right. I'm watching it going. That's the most basic thing to say to somebody. But she's trying to process it. And he's like, I don't know how else to tell you, but, like, there's no way around me calling the fucking cops.
1: Yeah. She says her name is Lube Rodriguez and her son who was shot is named Jorge. Now we're in the ER room. The security guard tells a cop that the kid is, like, super lucky. He's still critical, but should make it through surgery. The cop asks him where Lupe is, and the security guard takes him to the waiting room, but Lupe and her older son are fucking gone. Now we're still in the hospital, but Benson and Stabler are there. The security guard is giving Benson the rundown of what happened. He tells her that Lupe freaked out when he called the police
0: in radiology stabler's talking to the doctor she is yeah. the doctor who's do- taking care of everything right jorge was shot in the lower abdomen she says she thinks he's probably five or six and he's gonna be fine from the gunshot but he's got other problems and stabler goes worse problems than a gunshot wound Ugh. yeah she had noticed some healed fractures on his x-ray so she did a full body scan and found healed fractures all over his entire body. Like this kid has been getting terribly abused.
1: Yeah. Like jaw Mm. on either side of his jaw. He had healed fractures.
0: Yeah. Arms, legs, everything.
1: Mm -hmm. Here we are at the squad room, all of us together. (laughs)
0: Stabler's telling the gang.
1: (laughs) Stabler's telling the gang that the doctor says that Jorge got beat up for years but no one from the hospital recognized him or his name.
0: Or anyone coming in matching his series of injuries.
1: Yeah. Lupe gave them a fake address and social security number. Kragan says that they're either new to the area or Lupe took Jorge to a different hospital every time he was hurt. Munchin and Toots are rolling on ideas that going to different hospitals make it harder to pick up on abuse or that Lupe was protecting a boyfriend that didn't like Jorge, you know, they're just spitballing trying to figure out what's going on because this is bananas.
0: I don't like how they said or boyfriend that didn't like Jorge. Why? What do you mean? As if it's like, I don't like that kid. If there's somebody injuring a fucking five or six year old, it has nothing to do with his feelings about the child. Right. OK. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm mm. nitpicking, but I don't fucking like that. It's not about like the writer or whatever. It's an arbitrary thing. But I heard it and went gross. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, you mean she was protecting a boyfriend who's a piece
1: of shit? Right, yeah. Well, and Kragen says that maybe the two boys were playing with guns. It's anyone's guess at this time. hmm. Stabler says that according to the wound, he was shot from a distance, though. There was no gun residue or whatever it's called.
0: Yeah, he, they didn't have any stippling or yeah. gunshot residue. So Stabler was giving the rundown of these would be the requirements for a close range. So mm. he was shot at a distance. Yeah. Oh, and the fact that it, there was no exit wound.
1: So at this time, they literally have nothing like no real IDs, no crime scene, nothing. But Lupi couldn't have come from very far carrying her son because he's like 50 pounds. Kragan sends Munch and Toots off to check with Transit and then call every ER in New York City to see if anyone knows of any patients matching Jorge's past injuries. Kragan thinks that they live close to the hospital and wants Benson and Sailor to check where the kids probably went to school.
0: Vincent and Stabler head over to PS-266, which is the boys' school. Stabler hands a photo of Jorge to who I assume she's the principal. Yeah. She says, oh, this is Miguel Ramos. He's one of our first graders. Yeah. His brother's name is Luis, and he's one of their fifth graders. Luis is currently absent, so she's kind of putting together that this may be the reason. Right. The detectives let her know that Miguel was shot but is going to be okay. They said that the boys' mother, Lupe, gave a fake address.
1: And she's like, oh, that must be her thing because I sent a thing and it said no such address.
0: Right. And so she's showing them all this paperwork and Stabler reads something out of the file and goes, 522 East Cherry Street. That's in the middle of the East River Park. These detectives have. How do they know that? (laughs) Dude, they have 20th century pizza delivery guy echo location or some shit. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah.
1: No, that's true. When I delivered pizzas, I knew where everything was just off the top of my head. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and the way Stabler's like five twenty two East Cherry Street, and he kind of looks up at the ceiling, like, mm, picturing the map of the entire city of New York. <laughs> it's one thing to like know your way around Sun Prairie. Yeah, he's I like, know. that's in the middle of the East River Park. Every fucking single one of them. You know what it's like. You know what it is exactly like. When I started working at Outback Steakhouse, before I could wait tables, I had to memorize the menu, Mm -hmm. and it is an extensive one. Yeah. And I had to take a test, a written test of having the menu memorized. It's the same exact thing. They must do that. What a crazy
1: requirement for a job that pays probably like $2 an hour. I know. Plus tip.
0: (laughs) Okay. We're with the principal. Lupe's real name is Maria. Let's run down, because none of these people are who they are now. Miguel is the little boy who got shot. Luis is the older brother, and the mom is Maria. Mm -hmm. There's no real address, but the principal knows that Maria has a job because she takes Luis to a youth center on Essex every day after school. Doing some real copping. At the youth center, a man in a long sleeve shirt under a t-shirt so you know he's cool tells Benson and Stabler that Miguel and Luis are regulars there. Benson and Stabler ask if they have any friends that they can talk to, and the dude's like, Kevin, Kevin, get over here. Kevin fucking comes Kevin. up. He leaves the game of pinball that he's playing. There's a lot of kid noise and air hockey table noise and mm-hmm. squeaky fucking gym shoes. So yeah. we know we're at a fucking youth center. A fun right. one. <laughs> Kevin tells the detectives. I can never say the detectives. I'm always like, Kevin, this is the detectives. <laughs> imagine you know what we should do sometime we should recap an episode super trashed and see oh my
1: god we should (laughs) we should
0: we should recap something but do it
1: like messy drunk we should oh my god yeah we should do that
0: anyway we're talking to kevin He's a counselor there as well. He says that the Ramos brothers, Luis and Miguel, are great kids. Also that Maria came by yesterday. But he says she does that like once a week. The rest of the time, Luis takes care of Miguel. Just your standard big brother, your standard good big brother stuff. Like this kid is the oldest. He's the overseer of his brother. Yeah. Also, Kevin knows where they live because he walked Miguel home once when Luis was sick. So he's going to give... A little boost to the cops investigation. Yes. Benson and Stabler head over to the address that Kevin gave them. We're at the Ramos house. There's some super dancy Latin xylophone music coming muffled from the building. Yeah. It sounded xylophony. I don't know. I don't know what NBC was doing with that, but there's no Ramos on any of the doorbells. And Stabler's like, I lived in a building for four years. I never put my name on the buzzer. And obviously, this mom doesn't seem to want to be found. So yeah, like that's not dip. surprising. Yeah. All of a sudden, these amazing detectives. Detecting detectives notice some ricochet marks on the side of the building going down the street. They follow it. They're like, huh, no blood, no whatever. Who fucking knows how old these ricochet marks are, by the way? Yeah. Here's a clue. Mm -hmm. So they follow it down the street. (gasps) Olivia pops a squat in front of a railing. It's like, I found some blood. Oh my God. And I was just like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, here's a minuscule amount of blood. She gets out a detective magnifying glass. Yeah. (laughs) She dramatically pulls it out of Munch's trench coat. So they're like, we need to call Boston Rob and get him and his crew down here. Boom, mm-hmm. CSU at the scene. Boston Rob is there leading the pack. Now that we've both mentioned his attractiveness, by the way, mm-hmm. I cannot not acknowledge it.
1: Yeah. All yeah. right.
0: It's the fucking jacket, dude. The NYPD Windbreaker blue is his fucking color. Yeah. Okay. He looks a way that I register in that jacket that I do not register in a white lab coat for him. Mm-hmm. I'm a windbreaker girl. I didn't know it, but I guess <laughs> I am. It makes him a different person. The white lab coat, he's Clark Kent. But throw on that blue windbreaker. <laughs> uh? Tights, cape, fucking blast off, bro. Right? <laughs> blast off, bro. <laughs> so let's get into it. Boston Rob is going to fill us in on everything. He says, trajectory of the slugs showed a weapon was fired from a low angle. Stave goes, Oh, someone crouching across the street? And <laughs> Austin Rob goes, Yeah. More like a drive-by. <laughs> he did. There was a Y in that. Nah. We <laughs> found more slugs than shells, so some of the shells might have ejected into this car. There's a car mm. parked on the side of the street. Right. Benson adds, or rolled into the sewer. And does that smile that white people do when we disappear our lips? She goes. Our guy completely blows by her comment and continues, that's not all. Angles of the slug marks on a building get more and more blunt from the stoop to the alley so the car had to stop. (laughs) There's also some kind of skid marks on the road where the shooter peeled out and sideswiped a car on the way. Mm-hmm. And Boston Rob goes, we'll get the chemistry set out and match the prints to the manufacturer." And oh, my God, I'm sending. You, OK, hang on. I'm sending you the photo that I took of Boston Rob after face? he face says manufacture.
1: Do you know? I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Oh, my God. I, I tried to, the I, time of my life. It I took tried me to, a while.
1: I, I literally tried to snag it, too, but I, I couldn't get it after the second try and was like, I'm
0: done. I'm going to post it. I can't even do it. <laughs> He's like, where did that fit? Fa- Oh. Like, where did that face even come manufacturer. from? Manufacturer. Like, I go on for too long about how I'm attracted to him, and then he's like, what? He makes a weird <laughs> face, and you're like, ugh, kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like fucking Sid the Sloth from the oh. Ice Age movies here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Gotta match the <laughs> paint, the manufacturer. <laughs> so, anyway. See, I can't even look at that now. I'm over it. Benson and Staves ask him how long it'll take to get the make and model, and he's like, for you two? Give me a day.
1: <laughs> I was like,
0: God, I hope that sucks. Then
1: he can just like, instead of the oh. order
0: of a crime, like he's just like, ah, I like you guys. And you're like, what? This isn't the job for that. This right. isn't like for you to get in the front of the line. Your burgers are coming first. Yeah. <laughs> now Munch and Toots roll up. They had been in the building looking for witnesses. Boop. Surprise. They didn't find any. But they found out that Luis and Miguel live with their grandma. Ugh. I know you just did you just did the which is my entire (laughs) emotional state for this next scene.
1: Munch and Toots are in grandma's apartment talking to grandma. She's the sweetest little lady. You don't see her much in the episode, but she's so sweet. I don't know how she's surviving all of this, by the way. Like uh,
0: the strength that she carries with her.
1: Yeah. The other night she noticed that the boys were in their bed. So she assumed Maria took them for the night. Last month, Maria showed up and asked her to take care of the boys for her. And then the grandma starts crying. And she's like, it was like the only the second time I've seen them in two years. She says Maria is staying with some friends, but that she's trying to find her own place for her and the boys. Stabler's like, why would anybody want to hurt them? And the grandma says that last year, Maria was arrested for drugs. Maria asked her for bail so that her boyfriend wouldn't find out. When Maria dropped off the boy, she told grandma all the drug stuff was in her past and she wasn't going to fuck around with it anymore. Grandma gives Munch and Toots the address of where Maria used to live in the Bronx and then gave them Maria's number at the restaurant where she
0: works. At this restaurant, The owner tells Munch and Toots that two detectives had already been there. Don't you people communicate with each other? This dude Mm -hmm. is busy, busy. Yeah, Like, busy, busy. For some reason, I believe him that he can't stop and talk to these guys. More than any other trash mover or box mover or doorman suitcase mover side Mm -hmm. character. Yeah, This guy goes on to tell them that these cops looked more like drug dealers than cops. I was thinking like, oh my God, this is like... Are these fake cops or cops on the take yeah that's what i thought yeah they told him that they were undercover maria didn't show up for work that day though and he told the detectives that he didn't know where she was he said that maria started acting weird two days ago some customer comes in and calls her by name then she makes like she's sick and said she had to go home toots gives him his card and says let us know if you hear from her and the owner
1: or manager whoever he is
0: he's yeah Says that, uh, well, I've got her paycheck, so she's gonna be calling me.
1: Benson Stabler are at Maria's old apartment in the Bronx. A dude named Fredo Garcia answers the door. He's got a little like colonial pony, too. Obviously, we're like, this is the guy. Uh huh. Yeah. So he lets them in and says that he hasn't seen his family, Maria and the kids, in about a month. He was, he says he was away on a business, and when he came back, they were all gone.
0: Right away, I'm like, oh, this guy seems like a respectable dude. Really? I was like, oh, he's. This is this. he's it. Well, you've seen my past. I have a horrible judge of character. Well, so but do he, I. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, he opens
1: the door. You're also extremely skeptical of everyone. OK, yeah. So Stabler tells Fredo that Miguel was hurt and he immediately asks if Maria did it. That's what made me question it. Yeah. And they're like, why would you say that? And he's like, well, she has a terrible temper. He says he's seen her hit Miguel and threatened to call the cops on her if it happened again. And I was like, OK. He thinks that that's why she left with the kids. He didn't report them missing because he looked himself and figured if she wanted to leave him, there was nothing he could do to stop that. He has to respect that or whatever. (laughs) He like then opens the door for Benson and Stabler and asks him if they find Maria to tell her he wants them to come back. This guy's full of shit. Mm -hmm. Benson and Stabler in the hallway. They don't believe Fredo at all. They're just as skeptical as we are. Yeah. Thank God. They're like, if he's so concerned about Miguel being hurt, why didn't he ask what happened to him? Right. And Stabler's like, I want to know what this fucking guy does for a living. Benson is like positive someone's dealing out of the building and points to some cameras. Back at the squad room, Stabler tells the gang that last year Marie was busted with some sweet, sweet skag. (laughs) (laughs) Heroin. Yeah. And a thousand in cash. It was like a dozen dime bags. It was like obvious she was trying to sell. She didn't have a previous rap sheet. So the DA knocked the charges down and she only got a year probation. And none of this makes sense to Craig. And
0: he's like, None of this jives with a woman slinging burgers to support her kids. He says it like he's been hanging in a basement jazz club, listening to Duke from a couple episodes ago play (laughs) his saxophone.
1: He's like, I belong here. (laughs) None of this jives. (laughs) He just like walks out snapping. (laughs) So the day of the shooting, the boys went to school, as per usual, and to the youth center, as per usual. Maria picked them up and went to Grandma's house where Miguel was shot, and then they went three blocks to the hospital. They don't know where Maria was before that. Munch is running a rap sheet on Fredo. In the meantime, Kraken sends them to the hospital because Miguel is awake and asking for his mom. And I'm like, oh. Benson and Stabler are at the hospital. They rush in and the doctor tells them that Miguel is dead. They're like, what? You literally just called us and said he was asking for his mom. Mm -hmm. Was it surgery complications? And she was like, no, he was smothered by a pillow.
0: Yeah. The doctor who gave them the news is the same one who showed Stabes the x-ray images at the beginning. Mm -hmm. She has some real all grown up children of the corn energy for me. The way she's talking. She's like, pillow over his face. He was smothered. Yeah, I'm like, Zero why is she emotion? Kind of smiling.
1: She's like slightly like smiling a little bit. It was it was right. weird.
0: Did you do it? God. also she said it in such a cavalier way. Not only did I judge your cold, cold heart for that, mm-hmm. but I also was like, a doctor would never immediately upon death like this kid's body's still warm. And she's like, he was smothered with a pillow in the hospital. There's liability there, and I'm just gonna say that out loud. Like we don't have a slew of fucking lawyers telling me not to say shit.
1: Right. Oh, it was crazy. Cabot's so, like, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> she pops out of a bedpan. Should have done it.
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I got portals she's all like, over she, this city. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's like a genie. She's like a genie, except it's a bedpan. Oh, <laughs> she comes out covered in piss. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, cut to Miguel's room. Nurses put Miguel's tiny little, like, covered baby body on a gurney Uh. another nurse tells Benson Stabler what happened because she was in charge of watching him you know and she's like Miguel was awake and alert and asking for his mom I left for maybe five minutes to get a pediatric blood pressure cuff came back and he was dead well wait a minute earlier a maintenance man she's never seen before walked by her when she went to get the cuff she said hi and he just kept going and that like stuck out in her mind for some
0: reason i know <laughs> I, I know clo- i clocked that too and I was- <laughs> she's like wait a second <laughs> what a white midwestern lady thing to clock yeah i like, said you? hi and he just walked past me what the fuck
1: <laughs> exactly she's like he just kept going and i was like dude uh it was it was odd she said he was Hispanic with dark hair. Stabler wants her to describe him to a sketch artist. Kragan walks up to Benson and Stabler and said that cops found a maintenance worker's uniform in the men's room. Kragan wants everyone in the hospital to be interviewed super quickly because Maria and Louise could be next. And I was like, are they going to bring like 50 cops in for that? Because it has to be thousands of people in there. Yeah. Cut to the squad room the next day or something. Benny and Staves walk in looking haggard and tired of shit. Obviously, they were up all night interviewing the entire fucking hospital. Toots hands them a sketch from the nurse who found Miguel. Munch says that the lab came back with dozens of prints from Miguel's hospital room, but they haven't found a match to anyone in the system yet. Lab results came back with the car. Remember when they got sideswiped and they were getting Mm -hmm. the lab kit or whatever? When the driver sped away and said,
0: boom, 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 here you go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was a 98 black Lexus. And I was like, oh, that's pretty fancy, right? For like the 90s. Is it still, are they still fancy?
0: Well, it's for, as far as luxury cars go. It's pretty. It's pretty basic. So oh, there's oh, going to be a okay. lot of them. Yeah. No, I don't mean like that. I, I know, mean I'm, like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I don't mean it in a
1: bougie way. I drive a black Lexus when I do my crash derby courses. <laughs> that's my shit car.
0: <laughs> when I do it at the golf outings. No, it's yeah. It's, that's it's your because golf cart. <laughs> Stabler said it. Where he was like, "Oh man, there's going to be like X amount." Of those in around the city. A black right. Lexus is, it's not a unique vehicle. is well. Right.
1: Munch offers to cover Benson and Stabler while they go to the, quote, crib. Mm,
0: do you have Stabler. any gray
1: poupons? <laughs> God. <laughs> Munch offers to cover Benson and Stabler while they go in the crib to take a nap. But they got to wait. But they got to wait. Toots gets a call from the manager of the restaurant Maria works at. She's on her way to pick up the
0: check. Toots has got to be the worst with the garbage phone calls. In this scene, the phone rings. He picks it up, held it to his face for a three count. Click. He's not even fucking trying. The yep. funniest part, because I watched it a bunch of times, because I'm like, how can we make this different than every other time we mentioned this? <laughs> they did it for us. There's a mumbly voice that's not his in the background, to simulate his because his mouth isn't moving and so you hear this detective tutuola yeah yeah on the last yeah toots hangs up and says it's gonna have to wait over it saying yeah what the shit were
1: they like editing later and we're like god he never moves his lips when he answers the phone we gotta hire somebody to
0: kevin kevin get in here if you do it quiet and subtle enough it won't matter whose voice it is why go through that effort if you're not gonna go all the way
1: Back at the restaurant, Munch and Toots are undercover in there drinking coffee, blah, blah, blah.
0: Munch has one of those Secret Service curly cord earpieces in. (sighs) Yeah. He's about as undercover as Steve Buscemi at a middle school. (laughs) Band, music. I like it.
1: (laughs) A woman with a ton of hair is at the front desk getting her check.
0: A gorge ton of hair.
1: Yeah. Toots tells Benson Stabler through his little sleeve microphone thing that they fucking always scream into. You're like, ah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, she's in here. Olivia didn't see her come in and neither did Munch and Toots. So the lady picking up the check is totally not Maria. Munch and Toots follow her. And this like 70s detective music starts playing and I fucking love it. And it's here. It's so good. Yeah. Here we have a full fucking view of Toots' colonial pony. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's like.
0: <laughs> if you straightened it, if you flat ironed that shit, it would be down to his elbows for sure. You think so? Yeah, dude. Curl's extend that's true in, you yeah. know
1: uh-huh she goes to a bus stop toots follows her onto the bus where is she taking them and then munch hops into benson and stabler's totally inconspicuous absolute cop car
0: <laughs> it's like total cop car <laughs> so the bus stops then and the woman gets off toots is following so close behind her he could hop on for a piggyback ride he oh is God. steps behind her has, none of them have any idea how to police right now it looks like and if you think that women i don't care what city you're in
1: don't know who's behind them at all times yeah i'd be like this dude's behind me behind the restaurant bus and he got off the same like we're clocking that shit 24 7
0: he could be half a block behind her and she would know the yeah. fact that he like if she would have stopped to look down to see if her shoe was untied he would run right into her yeah, the woman gets off the bus and walks up to fucking Louise. Toots is right behind her
1: and he's like, hey, Louise, and flashes his badge. He's not yeah. even close to him. Like, you should have just waited. Oh, my God. Fucking Louise takes off. Benson catches him right away. This lady is like all confused. Her name is Annie Cologne, which I fucking just like the way that her first name and her last name sound together.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is great.
1: She says that Maria asked her to pick up her check, but she doesn't know where Maria is. Maria's been sleeping on her couch for the last week, though. Last night, Maria told Annie she had to leave and to give the check to Luis.
0: So they're all kind of giving her shit like, hey, let us know where Maria is. Can you please y- just do some help for us? Da Munch is off on the sidelines, leaning against the car. It seemed so out of place, mm-hmm. but he just arms crossed behind him. Zero effort, except with his loud ass voice goes, Luis, where's your mother? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) It was so bizarre.
1: (laughs) No answer. Just cut to munch. Yeah. Luis refuses to talk. So they're like, well, take me in. Fucking juvie. You know, Benson and Stabler are in in an interview room now with Luis. They tell him that they're just trying to help. And they know Maria and Luis are in trouble and they want to protect them. But Luis needs to talk. He refuses to tell them where Maria is staying.
0: Oh, he's not only a great little actor, this kid, but Mm -hmm. he is, he's like a little grown up, you know, and he's playing it like that.
1: Well, yeah, when he was sitting on the chair, he had his arm up and he was behind it with his fingers, like tapping the thing. And I'm like, that's not a 10 year old thing to do.
0: No. And he's just staring him down going, I'm not going to tell you anything.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. Now we're on the other side of the glass in Craig and Oceanside condo. (laughs) a lot of pastel (laughs) he's worked really hard okay (laughs) he has he deserves it toots cragan and cabot are brainstorming how they can hold luis as a material witness like this little dude saw something Mm -hmm. you know he saw his brother get shot like he was there yeah cabot doesn't want to hold him though because he'll just go into juvie and he'll be scared even more little luis doesn't even know that his brother miguel was murdered Ugh. all luis had on him was a few bucks a piece of paper that said Liberty on it, and a transit pass that mostly shows Luis is always coming from the Lawrence Street Station, and then goes to somewhere in Brooklyn. Cragen wants them to start there and look for any place that has Liberty on it in the name. Maria could be staying around there. Benson and Stabler are canvassing apartments or hotels with the name Liberty in it and are having no
0: luck. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty! Oh my god, I I can't stop! I could
1: not do I When I was watching this, I was like, we're, like one of us is going to do that, and I hope we accidentally do it at the same time. <laughs> Benson and Stabler are canvassing any apartments or hotels with the name Liberty in it and are having no luck. Next on the list is a place called Liberty Knickknacks.
0: Maybe Maria has a job there. Mm. Hmm. Benson and Stabler go into Liberty Knickknacks. And who's there? Maria carrying some boxes in an aisle. So they split up so that they can flank her, which is amazing that Stabler didn't just stand at the entryway and go... Maria, <laughs> know. with his badge wagging around. I know. <laughs> Hey, (laughs) sometimes they do it in a way that actually works. Staler approaches her and she starts to run, but Benson's on her other side and she grabs her. They're like, hey, your kid's at the hospital. What's up? She's like, I had to leave him there. Is he okay? They didn't want to tell her at first, but she's like, what's going on? Is he okay? And they're like, Miguel is dead. And she is not believing them. And my heart is in a million pieces because this woman is screaming and crying and saying, no, the doctor said he was going to be fine. She's crying. They're like, we got to take you in. It's emotional
1: yeah like you left your son in the hospital we gotta take you in idiot Mm -hmm.
0: these guys do not treat her in the way that i I need her to be
1: treated i know
0: and i don't know if it's strategy but if it is it's traumatizing and i don't like it
1: they also don't know anything about her they're thinking that she's like some drug addict that left her son at a hospital
0: drug addict drug dealer yeah and that she's
1: like a piece of shit mom or something right but it's also like her kid died though so just chill
0: yeah. I don't care what your circumstances are. Let's work on our fucking bedside manner. Let's take a weekend course, everybody. I swear Just to God, in- you in- say
1: that every single episode because <laughs> everything they do is terrible.
0: <laughs> everything can be solved by a two-day workshop. <laughs> Just do it, guys. They've got her back in the interrogation room now, and Maria is pissed. Mm-hmm. and She wants Benson and Staler to let her see her son, Louise. They tell her that he's going to go to a foster home, and she is pissed about it and they're like where were you when your son Miguel needed you and I'm like what the fuck you guys yeah chill and she said I thought he would be safe in the hospital I had to go to work and whatever this woman is not going to be able to sit in the hospital and they don't even know all the details about it but Mm -hmm. she couldn't be there they accuse her of being the one to cause all the abuse with all of his healings and fractures and Mm -hmm. things like that and they tell her that they talked to Fredo and she's like what the fuck you talked to Fredo she was immediately at a 10 about it she's like he knows that we're here yeah mm-hmm. they tell her that if she didn't hurt miguel then they know it was fredo and she's like I'm not saying anything so they're like well, how was his relationship and she's like uh he loved them we all knew that that yeah. that wasn't the case benson's like stop covering for fredo mm-hmm. Stabler tells her that they can protect her and louise and she's like to say it in your terms, stabler pfft. No, right. yeah, I know that you fucking can't. I cannot talk, and you cannot protect me.
1: Yeah, on the other side of the glass in Craigan's dugout, <laughs> Kevin and Craigan. Yeah, Kevin Craigan are talking about how many times they've seen the situation, like a woman not wanting to press charges against their abusive partners.
0: Hot dogs. <laughs> Sorry.
1: craigan thinks that maria leaving fredo pissed him off and that's why he shot at them but he didn't expect miguel to survive so he finished the job in the hospital cabot's like that's pretty extreme for like a domestic squabble or something she says and i'm like no this is domestic Mm
0: -hmm. the kid
1: has a fracture oh okay like a child is oh whatever craigen says that there has to be more to it munch walks up and tells him that there's no rap sheet on fredo the wants munch to see if narcotics has anything on him munch is like i'm way ahead of you i've already talked to him narcotics have never even heard of him then munch says the narcotics started questioning munch like they didn't believe that he was a cop
0: yeah he goes the only thing they didn't ask me is whether i wear boxers or briefs
1: (laughs) questioning room munch and louise are having a little hang rap sesh munch is straddling a chair that is backwards and his hat is
0: (laughs) no i
1: I forgot i wrote this munch is straddling a chair that is is as backwards as his hat (laughs) that was stupid see i can't write shit i have to just say stuff it is it's good though munch is straddling a chair that is as backwards as his hat (laughs) Munch also has his jeans on backwards, like (laughs) crisscross. And a backpack hanging on his shoulder with one strap. He's so cool. He can relate to kids. There's bone thugs and Harvey are playing in the background at my middle school that has asbestos. (laughs) Munch is telling him about how when he was a kid his mom would hover over him, but not like Maria does to Luis. This for some reason piques his little interest munch is telling Luis that he seems very independent this little dude is always helping his mom and picking up his brother and like ride the subway and munch has a lot of respect for him
0: he knows how to treat him like a little adult to get him to talk
1: yeah he's like somebody's got to do it Luis says that he didn't take care of them too well because miguel got shot and he thinks it's his little baby fault Mm. Luis doesn't really want to talk about what happened because it will get everybody in trouble and he's like he'll hurt my mom if i say anything Munch tells him that he and his mom take care of each other and she needs his help right now. This little guy has like tears on his face and he starts to open up. He says he saw one of Fredo's men in the car where the shots came from. Mm. Toots is in an alley talking to an informant who looks really familiar, by the way, doesn't he? Did he not look familiar to you?
0: I tried to look into who he was, and I couldn't find him credited. He was a great actor, actor though.
1: Especially with his He hands. was
0: very natural and believable, and I liked yeah. what he... I really enjoyed what he brought yeah. to the character and how he breathed life into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Toots
1: asks him about Fredo. Dude's like, are you fucking trying to get me killed? Toots is like, the evidence I have on you is not up for two more years, so you have to fucking tell me or I'll throw your ass in jail.
0: Right. This exchange lets us know that this guy is an informant for Toots because Toots globed on to him when he was doing undercover shit in narcotics. Right. So this guy like owes him as much information as Toots wants Mm-hmm. Toots is basically extorting him for information. Yeah, Where he's like, you could go to prison or you could fill me in on some shit. Right. So this guy's like, you have to watch. And my then back. the robot comes out and goes, you could fill me in any time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this dude's like, fucking watch my back if I tell you shit. So Fredo is new. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, Fredo cornered the dope market in this area. He came in and killed all of the local competition. A dude named Joey Stapleton was in the main dude in the Bronx until Fredo fucking killed him. So he forced out a bunch of tenants, paid the rest to take off and took over the whole building and moved in with Maria and the kids. This guy tells Toots that he hears that Maria has a hit on her from Fredo for ratting him out to the cops. And this is where you see him being a good actor because he puts his hands up and he's like, for ratting him out to the cops, like, pointing at, like, this is what yeah. I'm doing. It was really good. I don't know.
0: I loved, <laughs> yeah, all of his his little, his handwork, all of his little hand, because there was yeah. another time in the beginning of the conversation where he was like, you're going to get me killed. Yeah. He did it so well that it seemed like, he was playing it like that was this guy's personality, which made it seem like a unique personality. I don't know. I thought, yeah. I thought he was fantastic.
1: I did too. Yeah. Bravo. 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 So there was a ton of other side of the glass work going on. Like, so mm. I had no, I was like, I'm not. I don't know. On the other side of the glass in Cragen's Epcot Center. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Stabler and Benson are saying that Fredo charmed Maria and took over the apartment and used it as a drug place. Munch pops in and says that they're ready. And they're like, this might be the only way we can get them to talk. So they bring Luis into the room with Maria and they all watch. Maria tells them that Miguel is dead and she tells him it's not his fault. Luis Uh. is like, yeah, it's fucking Fredo's fault. I fucking told Munch about Fredo. And Maria starts banging on the glass and freaking out and saying, he lied. He's like, she's like, take it back. He's a fucking kid. And you tricked him into talking. Mm -hmm. She's so fucking scared. Luis begs her to stop. And she's like, just
0: fucking tell them like, We don't be afraid. We got a precinct walk and talk here with Benson, Stabler, Cragen, and Cabot. Cabot says that they can keep Maria and Luis in protective custody. Benson thinks that SVU should get them out of town, but Cabot's like, I need them nearby to prep for the case. For the grand jury. Mm-hmm. And Craigan's like, We don't have any budget for witness protection. Maybe we can get some money from the DA. I don't know. The 1PP's been up their asses about money since 9 11. He does say that the city will pay for Miguel's funeral, though, because it's victim support. Craigan wants them to find a church. As far as the funeral goes, Craigan wants them to find a church that's as far away from all this shit as possible. And the only people that will be in attendance are immediate family and the police, mm-hmm. just for protection's sake. Right. SVU has Marianne Luis set up in this hotel in Flushing. Maria's sitting there talking to Benson, telling her that she loved Fredo and he was wonderful until one night she came home and he was cutting up heroin with some of his buddies while her kids fucking watched. Uh. She told him to stop and he loses it and pistol whips her for embarrassing him. Of course he apologized and said he wouldn't do it again. Then that just kind of opened the door for Fredo to start beating Miguel and Luis too. He would always beg for forgiveness and made promises not to do it again and give them gifts and then it would repeat itself, repeat itself. And she couldn't leave. He only gave her enough money for food and to barely survive. And then he would take the rest. And spend it
1: on fucking his friends and like other women.
0: Yeah. Then she gets arrested for the drugs that she was not using. She had never been a drug user. Mm -hmm. Fredo made her carry his drugs inside of her and forced her boys to run the drugs and said he would kill them if they didn't do what he said. Benson's like, what was the final straw? And Maria's like, dude, one day Fredo beat a man with Luis's baseball bat while Luis and I watched. That's it. Like, it's going to be one of us next. So a man that worked for Fredo recognized Maria at the restaurant, and that's how Fredo found them the night of the shooting. All of a sudden, Stabler knocks on the door, and he and Luis come in. And they're all dressed for the funeral, and Luis looks really nice, and he smiles. He gives his mom this sad little smile. Like
1: a little side smile thing, like with his head tilted. She's like, you look so handsome, and he's like...
0: "Mm." Uh It's heart-wrenching, but Mm -hmm. from way earlier, and I I didn't think to put it in my notes until now, Maria and Olivia have the same fucking haircut, and they are pulling it off flawlessly. They both look incredible with this haircut. It suits them. It does. It's very I have you seen suits (laughs) (laughs) i can't i can't even i can't even do it have you seen suits (laughs) i love that you said that yeah i just think they both look incredible with this haircut and i'm and i'm loving it on both of them
1: yeah everybody's at the church it's empty of course except for the priest benson stabler maria grandma Luis, munch and toots walk in with detectives milan and tatum from the Bronx.
0: These fucking dorks. Yeah, I know. The one dude looks like Simon Van Kempen from early Real Housewives of New York. Uh-huh. Googit. Yeah. And I almost didn't recognize Angel Batista from Dexter as the other dude, you yeah. know, cuz he wasn't wearing a fedora. Uh, right. As soon as he spoke, I was like, "Oh, oh it's fucking Batista." Yeah. I love that guy. I do, too.
1: They straight up caused some shit at a funeral. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. They say that Maria and Miguel witnessed Fredo kill his competitor, Joey Stapleton. They say Maria came to them but disappeared before they could get a statement. Maria's like, dude, Fredo's men followed you fucking too, and that's how Fredo found her at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And Stabler's like, Maria, it's time to start telling the truth. She's like, yes, we did see how Fredo (laughs) killed Joey. (laughs) That's exactly how he sounds. She's like, yeah, we did see Fredo kill Joey, but I ran when they said I had to testify in court. I'm not facing Fredo. All of a sudden, there's a gunshot that busts a vase behind Maria's head. She falls to the floor. She's hit.
0: I need to go to craft services because I cannot take what this must be doing to 10-year-old Luis.
1: Oh my God, yeah.
0: He is at his little brother's funeral he has mm-hmm. seen so much shit prior to this and then there's like all these cops fucking it up and his right. mom is terrified he's trying to hold everybody for the fuck together yeah when he should just be going to school and like pretty soon start jerking off like he should have no other concerns. Well, yeah. he's 10. You know, he's almost to that point. He, yeah. but, <laughs> uh, but instead, he's at his little brother's funeral, and all of a sudden, it starts getting shot up. Like, the trauma that this fucking fictional kid is going through is insane.
1: Right. I need a bagel with cream cheese. <laughs> Everyone drops to the floor with guns drawn. Toots calls it in while everyone runs to find the shooter. So they're chasing this dude out of the church and
0: he runs up to a car and it's like a... Wait, 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 So when they all pile out of the church and Olivia hops the last little step, it was so fucking cute. Oh, I didn't know I this. took a video of it. Oh, oh god. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you right now. <laughs> like one guy's like down the steps and yeah. then Stabler's like huh, off the last couple steps and then Benson's like, bloop. It's very cute. Did you send it to me? Did you get it? Yeah. uh huh it's a chase scene. Boop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cute.
1: They got him surrounded. Bronx detectives drag the guy at the wheel out of the car while Benson cuffs the shooter. Ooh, the car is a black Lexus with silver paint scrapings on it. They find a fake badge, the one used to fool the restaurant owner guy. Fucking stabes asked where he got the badge, and the dude said, shove it. And is like, I'm sorry, what? He's like, shove it. <laughs> <laughs> It was so funny because he he sounded like a little kid. He's like, shove it. You're like, what? Yeah. He's like, Shh. I said, shove it. <laughs> Stabler legit starts choking him. But
0: super calm and scary, which. Yeah. And Ooh. I'm like, this is illegal. <laughs> like yeah. that guy gets that guy's
1: whole case is he's free to go after that. An ambulance comes and gets Maria out of there. Thank God she was only shot in the arm. Maria's telling Benson that they that she's like, they're getting her in there. And she's like, you
0: can't keep us safe
1: like you're like you're never going right. to and it's like
0: mm-hmm. hot take they never can now that we've got this guy picked up we've got a lineup munch asked that nurse that was taking care of miguel if she recognizes anyone she picks out number 3 the guy that shot up the funeral she says he killed Miguel and she's really only there because she's pissed he didn't say hi back <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that motherfucker that's so rude does he not know how rude that is yeah and then he went and smothered that kid with a pillow but first he didn't say hi back the dude's lawyer who's early 2000s Nicole Richie in a Reba wig
1: ew says uh,
0: yeah <laughs> though <laughs> Because the nurse was like, that's who I saw at the hospital. He killed Miguel. And this lawyer's like, you didn't see him kill anyone. <laughs> and Kev, like, girl, calm down. We're not in court. Like, yeah. <laughs> Maria then comes in and immediately picks out number three. She knows him by name. His name's Eddie Fuentes. He works for Fredo. And she saw him driving the car when Miguel was shot. She says Eddie was driving the car, but it was Fredo that shot Miguel.
1: Now we're in the interrogation room. Eddie's lawyer tells Benson, Stabler, and Cabot that her client wants to remain silent. Cabot says if he wants to stay alive, he'll say something. And immediately the guy's like, what? He talks. He's like, alive? What do you (laughs) mean? Benson says that Miguel was a fucking murder witness and killing him in a hospital is capital punishment, just period. Bro, the nurse is a witness. His car left paint scrapings. He shot up a funeral. That's attempted murder of civilians and six cops. He's going down and the jury will not give a shit that no one saw him actually smother Miguel in the hospital.
0: She's leaned so far in when she yeah. says that too.
1: Yeah. Her knees are like on the edge of the table. Piercing
0: eye contact.
1: So Eddie's like, I don't talk for nothing. And Cabot offers murder one, life without parole. And dude's like, what the fuck kind of deal is that? <laughs> Which I was like, yeah, geez. <laughs> if Eddie gives him Fredo, they take the death penalty off the table. They're like, it's the only deal that'll keep you fucking breathing. Mm. If somebody told me that I was going to jail for the rest of my life without parole, I would need a minute. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) He just spills the beans and he's like, you have to protect me. And they're like, we'll keep you out of gen pop.
0: Yeah. Which is not great if you've ever watched a prison documentary.
1: Yeah. So he's like, dude. This was all Fredo's idea. I thought it was insane to fucking try to kill a kid in a hospital and that was going too far. Fredo wanted Maria and Miguel dead because they were witnesses to him killing Joey Stapleton. Fredo gave Eddie 60K to kill them. They found her the first time at the diner when she was talking to the two cops. They lost her and then they found the two cops that led them right to the fucking funeral. You know, the fucking Bronx cops.
0: He's yeah. done it's Simon Simon
1: Cabot's office the two Bronx cops are fucking pissed he's like "It followed us <laughs> Impossible you're like I hate you <laughs> and then I and then I was like oh my god they're in on it with Fredo that's, that's where I was at. I was there for a minute, too. Mm-hmm. They want to interview Eddie, but Craigen doesn't want them to. Craigen wants to know who told him they had Maria. He said that the Cardiff's task force said that SVU was asking questions, like when Munch called. And mm-hmm. someone on the squad told them about the funeral. Craigen yells at them and he's like, you guys fucking showing up to the funeral almost cost them all of their lives, including their own.
0: Simon from Roni flops back in his <laughs> chair. He goes... Come on let's talk to the girl like a fucking petulant teenager this like, guy
1: remember paul rudd when he had to pick up the fucking <laughs> yeah in What hot american summer it was like oh, <sighs> oh
0: let's talk to the girl he was all like serious cop until craigen doubled down and was like no you're not gonna talk to her and he's like oh, dad uh,
1: <laughs> it's exactly what it was like
0: come on uh, god uh. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs>
0: jesus <Jeez, zaza. laughs>
1: i hate it here <laughs> They're asked to be born I'm stupid. Kragan <laughs> says that if they want in on this, they have to follow his orders. Okay? Yeah.
0: And they were both like,
1: hmm, huh. all right, Dad." Benson asked if they went to Maria's hotel first. And they're like, yeah, they did before the church. Which means Fredo could know that SVU has Maria and Louise at the hotel. They have to move her and Louise, like, right away. Kragan's mm-hmm. like, you guys, we need to work together to, to protect Maria. Which means you guys just bought yourself the third shift. And they're like, oh.
0: Out on the street, Benson and Stabler are moving Maria and Luis to a different hotel. Maria doesn't want to go to this hotel because she doesn't drive and they'll be trapped there and Luis won't be able to get to school because it's like way out of the area. She's
1: like, Luis needs to be in school right now. And you're like, no, No. he doesn't. I think she just
0: wants to try to keep some sense of normalcy for her kid. But I'm sorry, now is not going to be the time that that's going to happen yeah they're like sorry dude we have to get you out of the city to keep you safe she says to let her and louise go and she'll come back to testify but that's what she said before and she disappeared they can't risk Mm -hmm. that again now maria's in the back seat with louise saying that she never should have gone to the police. She feels like because she went to the cops, she's the one who killed Miguel. She's like, you guys can't help me. You can't help us. Anybody here could be Fredo's people. That could be one of his guys. That could be one of his guys. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm not going to testify against Fredo. And Stabler tells her that as long as she's alive, Fredo will never stop looking for her. And if she refuses to testify, they're going to subpoena her anyway. And if she still doesn't, she'll go to jail and Luis will go to foster care. Ugh. She's like, fine, take him, put him somewhere safe. The whole time Luis is sitting next to his mom. Oh, mm-hmm. She's so fucking desperate. Yeah, it's really sad. But she's being put between a rock and a hard place. She's mm-hmm. just like getting pushed and pushed and pushed. She's not in a place where she gets to make any decisions for herself. Every route she takes is going to end up back in the same spot. Or right. worse. So at the precinct, Cabot says to Stabler that Maria has to testify. Benson
1: says that they're making her a moving target and it's hurting her and Louise. She's in more danger because the cops are around. Craigan wants to know if there's any way they can nail Fredo without having to use Maria and Louise. But Cabot says that they saw Fredo kill Joey Stapleton. Without their cooperation, she can't even indict. Munch walks in and says that Eddie Fuentes gave up all of Fredo's operation, even down to the escape routes. Benson says Maria won't talk him. Fredo's out of the picture. And Toots says, you guys better fucking hurry because Maria and Louise went to the grandma's house to get Louise's asthma medication and escaped out the window. The other two Bronx cops lost her. They got to nab Fredo before he finds out. Or they're dead. Mm-hmm. Cabot's like, I'm going to wake up a judge. We'll get a Westmore. Our- Cabot says, shh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get I know Westmore. Getting- <laughs> I'm going to wake up this judge. I'm going to his thumb out of his <laughs> mouth and say, hey, judgey, we need a West Wallet. We got to get in a West Warrant because it can only be for Fueto's drugs. <laughs> I'm not messing around with any other charges for this West Wallet. Drugs only. I'm serious, you guys. Oh, shit. I don't know what time it is, but I'm going to wake up the judge and he's going to be quabby. <laughs>
1: All right, Cabot says she'll wake up a judge and get an arrest warrant for Fredo, but only for drugs. Right (gasps) now we're on the street, Toots. (laughs) So yeah, Toots is on the street, acting like he's jonesing for some sweet drugs, and posts up next to some dude that asks him what he wants.
0: He's looking like Method Man in this dumb fucking bucket hat. Oh God,
1: yeah, that fucking hat.
0: (laughs) This this dude's like,
1: it's four AM, dude. We're closed. Mm-hmm. Toots whips out a pile of cash and tells the dude to open up. Dude's a little suspicious, but takes the money and tells Toots to follow him inside. It was funny because the guy's like, i never seen you before. And Toots is like, i never seen you before. Who cares? Like, yeah. give me them drugs. Once they get inside, Toots like puts him in this weird headlock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I, I, when I watched it again, I was like, what is that? He just kind of like comes up behind him like he's going to do like he's going to do a piggyback ride, but then like puts him in like a half Nelson. It's super weird. And then pushes him up against the wall. The guy's like, do you know who I am? If you're going to fucking rob me, are you kidding? And he's like, shut up. I'm the police. And then a pile of cops pop in with guns and shit, flashing lights for some dumbass reason. Like,
0: right. If they're trying to be slick, why do they got all those lights on?
1: Yeah. Like, shut up. Get out of here. Just turn them off. I mean, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> shut up those lights are so loud <laughs> they get to fredo's door and hear a gunshot and someone scream Kragen yells through the door open the door and throw the gun out and then you hear maria yell i'm taking care of this and she's like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> so they fucking bust the door down. Maria's standing over Fredo with a gun. He's on the floor with
0: a gunshot wound in the leg. And he's yelling, this bitch shot me. And I'm like, good. And his ponytail mm-hmm. just keeps growing over the episode. He's got a fucking Streganona ponytail <laughs> and a stupid ass halvesy turtleneck, like some cousin Eddie shit. Like oh, his God. turtleneck bothered me so fucking much. He's on the ground shot and I'm mad at him anyway. So I'm just like, good. I don't care that you're shot but as soon as I saw the turtleneck I'm like finish him Maria It's like one of those off-white turtleneck. Oh, dude. Those like half
1: half turtlenecks in the early 2000s were fucking everybody had that every every like insurance salesman had like everybody had that shit. My dad was like all over that shit.
0: Oh, yeah. We're going to the Christmas party. Hey, let me put on my half turtleneck super quick and then we can take off.
1: <laughs> He's like, I'm going to put choice. that on.
0: Then I'm going to put on a pea coat. Then I'm going to put on a plaid scarf. Then I'm going to get Craig T. Nelson and <laughs> Diane Keaton. And we're all going to sit around a fire. <laughs>
1: did you write that down or no
0: no oh yay that
1: was good <laughs> thank
0: you i love christmas
1: <laughs> <laughs> i love you like put your arms up if anybody just imagine her putting her fist above her head <laughs> i do benson's like maria he can't hurt you anymore give me the gun and you're like what are you talking about he can always hurt her whatever but anyways hmm she's like he fucking killed miguel and she's getting more and more upset and benson and are like do you have another son you gotta think about louise killing fredo won't bring miguel back benson grabs the gun and they all kind of they all rush to fredo she's just like upset obviously so right louise is at his grandma's right now and maria bought the gun on the street on like on the way there like she bought a fucking hot dog or something (laughs)
0: Yeah. So where'd um, you get it? On the street. I was headed over here and I was like, um, hey, do you have any guns? And he's like, yeah, I got a bunch. Duh. Yeah, what do you need? AR-15. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not that hungry. I'll just <laughs> take a little nine mil. Benson walks into Craigan's office to find Craigan and
1: Cabot arguing. She's like, what's going on? Cabot wants to indict fucking Maria for attempted murder for using the cop protection money to buy a gun. Benson's like, um, what? Maria bought the gun to protect herself from a person who's been terrorizing her for years. And Cabot says it still doesn't give her the right to become a vigilante. It's not considered self-defense because Freyo's gun was two rooms away. Unless they can prove Maria felt like her life was in immediate danger, which I was like.
0: I don't understand that argument. Because he yeah. literally killed one of her children, mm-hmm. and if somebody who's been in that position can't have a, a PTSD argument for like the years of abuse that she endured with him, he's been like that. Sending affect- people.
1: Yeah, he sent somebody to her son's funeral. Like she's been constantly running away from him.
0: Right. And just because his gun was two rooms away doesn't mean that he couldn't kill her some other way. She saw somebody beat to death with a baseball bat by this guy. That argument doesn't make any sense. Right. I get how Cabot has to bring up all the possibilities, but Mm -hmm. no Cabot.
1: Apparently extreme emotional distress doesn't apply either because Maria knew exactly what she was doing when she went to Fredo's. So I don't know.
0: Well, she did buy that hot dog on the street. She did. Yeah.
1: Maria dropped Luis off at the grandma's, ditched the Bronx cops, bought a gun and went to Fredo's to kill him like it was planned out. Benson argues that they put her in the position like SVU, like all the cops put her in that position because they couldn't protect her. Mm-hmm. Cabot's like Maria committed a crime, but Benson says that they are partially responsible for the crime. Mm-hmm. Benson is begging Cabot to cut Maria a fucking break. Right. And Cragen says that Maria is her only witness to the murder of Joey Stapleton. If Cabot convicts Maria, her credibility is shot and her murder case against Frito is just done.
0: So it's like pick the less of two. Mm-hmm. Cabot wants to prosecute everything. And I respect like how hard she follows the letter of things. But this is just one of those examples of. Right. Give it a little bit of gray. Right. Cabot says she's like, I have to enforce the law
1: and the law is not always about justice. Your words, remember, because Cragen said that to her like, Second time she's on the show. Mm-hmm. Craigan says Freda will kill again and that if anything happens to Maria and Louise, it's on her. Mm-hmm. And then this is weird because this ending was weird. Okay, hold on.
0: I loved it.
1: Benson, Cabot, and Stabler are putting Maria and Louise on a bus out of town. They say they'll let Grandma know they left but not where they are.
0: Cabot made the right choice. Stabler's liberty, liberty, liberty.
1: Stabler, Stabler says... He murdered her child. She'll be back. The mm-hmm. end. I don't know how she could... I don't know. It's weird. Interesting.
0: It's definitely not soup's legal.
1: Yeah. Well, that's it, guys. That was the end of the fucking episode.
0: Chaser. Brown Russell Peeler Jr. was living in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Dealing drugs and committing other crimes, including alleged gang activity. On September 2nd, 1997... He attempted to kill a former drug associate, Rudolph Sneed Jr. He went by Rudy, so that's what I'm going to call him. Rudy was driving his son and his girlfriend's son, eight-year-old Leroy B.J. Brown, home when he was shot. Hmm. Rudy was slightly injured and was able to ID Russell Peeler as the shooter. B.J. was also able to ID Russell in a a police photo array.
1: Did you almost say Palouse? What an idiot. (laughs) Sorry, go
0: ahead. (laughs) Although Russell was unsuccessful in his attempt, he would go on to try again months later on May 29th, 1998. This time, 26-year-old Russell shot and killed Rudy in a Boston Avenue barbershop with the same Glock forty caliber pistol he had used in the previous shooting. Rudy ID'd Russell as his killer in his dying breath. That was May, okay? On December (gasps) 23rd... Oh, my God. May 3rd. On December 23rd, 1998, Russell is charged with Rudy's death. This is also when Russell finds out that the key witness was set to be Little BJ. Since the same gun was used in both shootings, BJ's testimony about the 1997 drive-by can be used to tie Russell Peeler to the murder. Hmm. Okay. So do we know why he was trying to kill him? Drugs. Oh. It, they, it was. It was speculated that it was possibly a debt or something like that. Okay. I mean, and it was only assumed to be drug related because he had dealings with him in the past that were drug related. Well, then, two days after he was charged on fucking Christmas Day.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: Like, that's a bigger crime to me. Russell told his girlfriend to get out of town because he was going to start killing witnesses. Enter two new people, Josephine Lee, a local sex worker and crack addict and much more than that. But this is all we know about her in this story. I hate Mm. when articles paint somebody. Right. And these are old articles and stuff that I'm reading. But still, it's presented as if that's what we should base our opinion on with her. She's not great in this story, but I don't know. I just that always rubs me the wrong way. So Josephine lived across the street from B.J. and his mom, 30-year-old Karen Clark, on Earl Avenue in Bridgeport. Mm -hmm. Person number two is Russell Peeler's brother, Adrian Peeler, obvious associate of Russell's, drug shit, Justin did the same kind of shit that his brother was. Mm -hmm. Well, Russell ordered Adrian to kill Karen and B.J., Josephine Lee would later testify that on January 7, 1999, Russell's brother Adrian gave her a handful of crack and told her to let him know when Karen and her son came back to their Bridgeport duplex. She watched and waited, and when Karen and BJ returned home from grocery shopping... Josephine called Adrian to report that they had arrived. Adrian showed up a few minutes later. Josephine then testified that she had gone to the door, knocked, and when Karen recognized her and opened it, Adrian pushed his way in. He then shot Karen Clark in the chest in front of her injured son who had Aww. been shot in the arm. Yeah. Eight-year-old BJ screamed for his mom before Adrian shot the little boy in the head, oh killing my him. Oh, God. Jesus. This was a handful of days before BJ was set to testify against Russell. Mm-hmm. Josephine testified to all of this in the trial with tears rolling down her face. The emotion in which she told it was a real clincher as well, regardless of the hindrances that were her relationship with drugs and her employment. yeah, She's a human being who had a, an awful experience. Mm-hmm. Just witnessed the worst, the worst of crimes. And contributed to it. And contributed to it. Mm-hmm. I do have a little more grace there because... An addict is not making those sound decisions. You know, the guy gives her a handful of crack and it's like, hey, do this for me. Yeah. You know, it's you're you don't think beyond that. So beyond Josephine's eyewitness testimony, Russell Peeler's one time drug associates testified that Russell told all of them repeatedly that he was going to kill BJ to keep him from getting on the stand. But more than anything, this judgment came down to motive. In his closing argument, state's attorney Jonathan C. Benedict said, this to the jury, quote, who in the entire world would have anything to gain by the killings of this little boy other than Russell Peeler? hmm. I mean, yeah. Adrian and Russell both were charged with conspiracy, murder, and capital felony for the murders of BJ and his mom. Federally, they were also charged with drug trafficking. These guys weren't small-time corner crack slingers, mm-hmm. okay? Russell was heading up an operation that moved 1.5 kilos of crack cocaine every week. Holy shit. Yes, So just to put a bow on it, Josephine Lee was given a sentence of no more than seven years for conspiracy. She took a deal that included pleading guilty and testifying against the Peeler brothers. Mm -hmm. So that's where her sitting on the stand came from. And she still ended up having to serve time for her part in it. Mm -hmm. Adrian was sentenced to 60 years for murder conspiracy, as well as a drug dealing charge. I'm not 100% sure why he wasn't straight up charged with first degree murder, though. Hmm. He was just charged with murder conspiracy. Russell was charged with the murder of Rudy Sneed, even without BJ's testimony, which is so, so fucking heartbreaking because it just means that they didn't even need BJ's testimony to convict. He was also charged with the murders of Karen and BJ. For Karen and BJ's deaths, he received two capital felonies, intentionally causing the death of a child and causing the deaths of two victims in the same crime. Mm -hmm. The jury ends up deadlocked. It's the year 2000. They're fucking deadlocked, trying to decide whether he should get the death penalty or not. Okay. And they just were like, we can't figure it out. All right. Later, the state Supreme Court ordered a new death penalty hearing with a new jury. It was like fucking seven years later, December 10th, 2007. Finally, Judge Robert Devlin Jr. sentences Russell Peeler to death. Okay. Beyond this, this is 2007. There's a lot of updates that come with a story that's over 20 years old. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, yeah. Obviously, appeals and appeals and appeals have happened, but then in 2015, the death penalty was abolished for state crimes in Connecticut. Oh. Inmates on death row were able to get their sentences amended. So Russell Peeler... He's the second dude in line, gets his shit amended. The next year in 2016, the judge changed Russell's sentence from death to two consecutive life terms without the possibility of release. Those sentences would run consecutive to the 105-year sentence Russell received for the murder of Rudy Sneed. Okay, So he is
1: in, in prison
0: and there's some other stuff that i i read beyond that of like these guys are taken off death row but they're not put they're put in like super duper max security prison and just sit alone in a cell by themselves forever yeah it's a whole other level of super max they're like you guys are supposed to be on fucking death row 23 hours a day of solitary basically yeah i that that would break
1: that would break me oh mm-hmm. i mean just going to yeah. jail for me would break me but like
0: Right. Now, Adrian, the brother who actually committed the face to face fucking murders, Mm -hmm. his sentence for the crimes were 25 years. Okay. Okay. 20 years for the murders because he wasn't charged with murder. Remember, he was charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Yeah. Right? Mm hmm. So he was charged with 20 years and there were other charges on that. So it got to 25 years. So he was to serve the 25 years for the murders of Karen and BJ, as well as these other charges, mm-hmm. followed by 35 years for a separate drug charge. Okay. His 25 year sentence will be up in January of 2022. So a few months from right now, mm-hmm. then he'll be transferred to a federal prison to serve the 35 years on the drug charge. Legit Tuesday, We record on Thursdays. This is two days ago. Legit, Tuesday, November 16th. Mm -hmm. Okay. Adrian went before U.S. District Judge Janet Bond Arterton, asking to be released once his murder conspiracy sentence is fulfilled. He begged to receive time served for his other charge, telling the judge he had grown and changed and worked to become a better person. The courtroom held the family of the victims. Mm -hmm. The judge heard everything that Adrian had to say and was like, cool, that's great. This place is full of people who are still grieving those that you point blank fucking murdered Mm -hmm. and you didn't address them at all, didn't express remorse, nothing. Mm -hmm. So the judge rejected his request for early release, but did end up reducing Adrian Peeler's drug sentence to 15 years only because of current sentencing guidelines went against how he was being sentenced. And he hadn't even started serving that yet. Yeah. The end.
1: Good. Next week, we got season three, episode 13, Prodigy. Benson and Stabler have the gruesome task of identifying the remains of a man and woman who were stabbed in a park.
0: Prodigy? Mm Mm-hmm. I had these friends in high school that were in chess club and their like slogan for their chess team was smack my bishop. (laughs) That's cute. Get it? Yeah. Prodigy. Yeah. I know. Um, When I saw the thing, I was, I saw the name of
1: it. I was like, somebody's going to make a prodigy joke.
0: As soon as you said it, I was like, don't say fire starter. (laughs) (laughs) Twisted fire starter. Oh, also, guess what? We are having a Christmas party. No, wait. um, I wish I had some jingle bells here to. No, (gasps) wait a second. No. Yeah, wait. Yeah. I swear (laughs) to God, if your
1: fucking jingle bells hurt my ears, I'm going to be pissed. They're not going to.
0: You guys, guess what? We're going to have a Christmas party for our Elite Squad patrons. You're going to hear more about it, but if you want to come to our Christmas party... Oh my God, party, you're like out of be-
1: breath because you're excited. you were like, <laughs>
0: you're going to hear more about it. <laughs> we're going to do a virtual Christmas party... And it's gonna be virtually in Christmasable. Oh my God, fuck off. Everybody's um, <laughs> putting together games and prizes, and we're gonna hang out. It's gonna be on Thursday, December 9th at six o'clock Central Time. So that's whatever time it is where you at. You have Google, you guys. But if you wanna be able to participate in our Christmas party, you have to be an Elite Squad patron. Um, Speaking of Elite Squad patrons. Okay. Let me be excited about Christmas. You i All your I'm fucking be, ghost shit. I'm your be, ghost ass shit. You love it, dude. Jingle bells! <laughs> <laughs> I love that there's things that you love, and I love you, so... Thanks. You stupid bitch. <laughs> you dumbass cunt. Okay, that said... Thank you so much to our Elite Squad patrons. I hope we see you all at the Christmas party. Haley K, Sonia W, Jenny S, Sky K, Nikki B, Marissa M, Elkie H, Sarah A, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew, Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Eliza W, Bonita R, and Marin. You guys, should I say we appreciate that, you. We love you. Yeah, love Should best. I say the Meg thing?
1: Meg think just wants. no
0: fuck Meg <laughs> Meg's like if you guys don't start saying my name I'm not gonna listen anymore <laughs> we love you Meg, and this is that's it that's it that.
1: yeah so follow us on all social media go ahead do your little jingles while I do it follow us on all social media at pod. email us at svupod at gmail.com check out our website www.svupod.com and if you feel like you want to check out hashtag little bit loud, if you're a podcast that is littler, oh my god, that is so distracting. I re- <laughs> I, re- I regret. <laughs> you mean joyously
0: distracting? Okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.